Hey, I'm Eric Goins. I play The Gambler on DC Stargirl, now on DC Universe and The CW. I'm here with Elias on the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Eric, welcome to the cave. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you, man? What's new with you? Oh, you know everything. Stargirl. That's right. Pandemic. <laughs> There's lots going on in the world. <laughs> Right, right. You've been uh, you've been busy for a few years, man, with TV shows and, like you said, Star Girl. Man, do you and and you teach also? Yes, sir. I teach as yeah. well. Yeah, I uh, teach improv for many many years, and I help coach actors um, uh, how to break down scripts and present themselves on camera. That's awesome. Do you ever have like any breaks on you, man? I know you have kids too, right? Yeah, I have. I uh, have one child. Um, I have a daughter, and um, she occupies uh, quite a bit of my time these days. There you go. There you go. So, uh, for the listeners, man, uh, where are you originally from? Originally, I'm from Tampa, Florida. And I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in '89 to go to college, and um, I've been here ever since. Oh wow! So, when you stay there, was it was the reason you stayed there was for uh, acting? No. So I got into acting later in life. So I, <laughs> I have I have walked out a very um, diverse path you could say. So I was uh, actually a biology major. I was pre-med in college for four years and um, got out of college, decided not to go to med school and um, went into the workforce uh, so I could pay my bills. I worked in corporate um, jobs for quite a few years until about 1998. And in 98, some friends uh, of mine took me to an improv show for my birthday. And I fell in love with what they were doing on stage. And I decided to audition for class and the rest is history for sure. Wow. Yeah. So you had no idea when you were young that this is the path you were, like, did you like have, have any, any idea like growing up that acting? You know, now that I look back on my life and the things that interested me, I could see it. And I think uh, the time that I grew up, like, so I was kind of a class clown. Right. Like I was always looking to make people laugh. I was I got in trouble a lot yeah. in school. And I just think that maybe I didn't have those teachers around me that recognized that what I was doing was not necessarily acting out, but it was just maybe someone who was more inclined to performance. And um, I, I wish I had those adults around me as a kid who might have identified that because um you know, I, I found it later in life and I'm, I'm really fulfilled now. Um, but I wonder what would have happened if somebody would have recognized it a little earlier in my life. Cause it was, it was, it was hard. I didn't even, I didn't even know what avenues were available in, in the theater world and the um, acting world. And nobody really presented those to me. I it took me going to an improv show on my birthday to kind of fall into it. Wow. What kind of improv show was it? So it was short form improv. So there are two types of, of improv, long form and short form. And so um, long form is um, what you might see um, a lot of times on television where they're, you know, they go on for maybe 
35, 45 minutes without taking a break and they build one long narrative. And then short form is a series of two and a half to five minute scenes. And over the course of a show, maybe a two hour show, you might see 12 of those. And, um, and they're a little bit quicker paced so you get to it a little, your beginning, middle, and end of your story happens pretty quickly. And then they throw kind of traditional improv games on top of those scenes to kind of boost the entertainment factor. And, and so you end up getting a little bit more audience participation and it's a little faster paced and a little more dynamic in a sense um, of when you're watching it, if a scene's not going well, then it ends and you start a new one. Mm. Whereas in long form, if the scene's not going well, you got to really fight to, to get this thing back on track so when you were doing the when you were doing the improv did you were you also taking acting classes no i i haven't i haven't really taken any like i've taken very few traditional acting classes yeah um most of my training came from uh, my improv training and i think it's incredible training for any actor i think every single person should take improv quite frankly um, because it teaches these great lessons. And the lessons are, first of all, that we shouldn't judge each other. Because when you're on stage, if you're judging your partner, then uh, you're not going to have a, a very successful experience because you're thinking about what's wrong with your partner and why they just said that as opposed to just living in the moment. But it also teaches you not to judge yourself. And I think that's an important lesson for actors to, to make their choice and dive in head first. And hopefully everyone likes it, but if they don't, it's nothing personal. Um, you're just expressing yourself in an authentic way. And improv really taught me that because you can't go in front of a group of people and be anything other than yourself because the audience will, man, they'll pick it up. And as soon as they, they pick up that you're not being authentic, they think you're hiding something. And, and nobody wants to watch somebody speak if they think they're, they're hiding something, mm. particularly an actor. Do you like, uh, like interacting with the audience? I got to tell you, it's, it's the only addiction I have. Like in being in front of a live audience gives me a rush like nothing else. And I, I have a hard time not doing it. I, I took a break um, when I was original, when I was early in my early years of improv, I did it alongside um, working in the corporate world and um, there started to be some conflict. And so I decided to walk away from improv for a year. And so that I could focus on my job because I had a good job. I was working for a marketing communications company. I was making good money. And so it felt like the right thing to do, but I was profoundly unhappy for an entire year. And finally I went back, I went back to the stage and um, found that, that excitement again. I love it. There's nothing like it. Were you, uh, when you're working the job, were you married? So I met my wife at the improv theater. I, okay. I was at, I was at the, so I performed improv Tuesday night, Thursday night, two shows on Friday night, two shows on Saturday night, rehearsal on Wednesdays. Sometimes we rehearsed on Mondays. So it was like a five or six day a week thing. And when you go in for a show on a Friday night, you get there at six and you leave at like 2 a.m. And so your world gets really, really small. And so I met my wife at the improv uh, theater because she's an actor as well. And she, um, we did improv alongside each other for 10 years. Wow. Because my question was going to be like, because I was like, okay, if you're married and you went home one day and you're like, you know what, I'm going to quit my job just to go do improv. I was like, I was like, I wanted to hear that story. Yeah. <laughs> like how did that go? There aren't many stories that end happily <laughs> like that. I, I'm sure, honey, I'm, 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 I'm going to be an improviser. 
No, I was I was fortunate I, that you know I have a wife that's incredibly supportive, and that's she's awesome. also an she's also an actor herself, and she loves improv as much as I do. So, um, you know, it's an easy sell in our house. It's like one of the questions I always ask people, like you know, like, you know, I've had guests where you know, they're they're in college and they don't even know they're going to get into acting, and when they do, it's like, how did that conversation go when you went home, you know, for spring break or something like that, and you tell your parents, I'm going to go in the acting world. <laughs> You know, and it's always like, you know, some parents are flipping out. Some parents are like, we kind of had an idea. This is what you really wanted to do. Yeah, I'm sure those those conversations happen all over the country, all over the world every day. Um, and uh, fortunately, I had good supportive family and good supportive people around me. And it wasn't a, never an issue. How long did you do improv until you started like going for out for like auditions for TV shows and film? I was probably doing improv for about five years before um, I got an agent. And it just so happened a friend of mine was at an audition and he called me and said, hey, I think they're looking for someone that's just like you. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't have an agent. I, I, I don't know how to, I've never been to an audition. And he said, just take a picture and print it out and bring it. And I still have that picture. It's horrible. It's like black and white. It's out of focus. And I, I ended up getting a call back, which means they're bringing you to the second round of auditions. Yeah. So the agent actually signed me that day. So just in case I booked it, I was on their roster. Right. And I've had that agent ever since. Wow. And we basically here in Atlanta had a pretty pretty lively uh, industrial and commercial um, environment here. And so I kind of cut my teeth on that kind of stuff. And then the tax incentives passed in 2008 and then TV and, and movies started coming to Georgia and I was just the right place at the right time. And that's awesome. I think kind of fell in place. It was your goal eventually TV and film or did you at first like, Oh, maybe I'll just stick with improv and see where it takes me or. Yeah. So one of the things that improv taught me, is to be process driven, not product driven. So I never really set my goals in a kind of product driven sense. So I never said, I want to be on TV. I had said, I want to really engage in the process of being an actor and be really, really good at it and be an improviser and be really, really good at it and see where that takes me. Because I do really enjoy the process of being an actor. I enjoy I enjoy doing my auditions as much as I do being on set. It's a, it's a different kind of like yeah. and a different kind of experience, but I enjoy breaking down a script, um, thinking about the humanity within each story and trying to apply that to myself. So the biggest advice I have for, for actors is just to focus on the process. And the product always seems to take care of itself if you're really focused on the process because you'll be so good, like you know, Steve Martin says, you'll, you'll be so good people can't ignore you. Right. That's it. Steve Martin's a legend. 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 I put him, I always put, I don't know what it is. I put Steve Martin in the legend category. He is in the legend category. Yeah. Yeah, he's what, got a great book. I just got done reading his book a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's phenomenal. Like my, I had a, my uncle had a record. Ever hear that old record of the stand up? No, I've never heard the record. Oh, I've seen a uh, lot of his stand up just yeah, kind of on, wow. uh, on TV. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, he's hilarious. So, as an actor now, like, what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy live audition or, or a self-tape? I think there's nothing that, that replaces live auditions. I mean, the, the opportunity to, to work one-on-one -on -one with a casting director and, and callbacks, a lot of times you'll have a director present 
so you get a great sense of what the story should feel like and you get direct input on your performance and feedback right um i do enjoy self-tapes i think they can become a little sterile because you're kind of working in a vacuum you're not getting the kind of information you might get at an in-person audition i'm fortunate that i get to do most of my self-tapes with my wife who i respect as an actor and who we work really well together so i get to get that kind of feedback um but it's i, I think nothing nothing replaces an in-person audition because you get to develop relationships with casting directors and directors and and a lot of times it's about giving them a sense of who you are as a person as much as it is about being a great actor. You know, there's a lot of casting directors and directors that say, you know, we knew so-and-so was right for the part as soon as he or she walked in the room. We were just hoping that they knew the lines and they could get through it because they're perfect for what we're looking for. And I think that's that humanity that sometimes maybe a taped audition doesn't, um, doesn't communicate as well as an in-person audition. But obviously, a taped audition gives you an opportunity to to work the work the scene a little bit more the thing about self-tape too like i've talked to other guests they're like they might not even watch it because what if they find the person that they know the part is right for they might not even get to your tape yeah i know you gotta hope that um you gotta hope that they're gonna go through all of them yeah at least somebody somebody's gonna vet them <laughs> all or that you've done enough auditions for a casting director that they'll do their due diligence and at least review what you've submitted. And I, I think, I, I gotta believe that, that the process does work that way. Otherwise you're kind of starting from a doom and gloom kind of situation. So I just have to believe in the best and believe that my chances are as good as anybody else who submits that day and that everyone's gonna get a fair shake. And I, I gotta believe in that. So before you got cast on Stargirl, you did a few other shows like Beat the Browns, you know, uh, One Tree Hill. Like, what's, what was like one of your favorite ones that sticks out the most? Halt and Catch Fire was probably one of my favorite opportunities. Um, it was a great, great cast, a great production, a lot of fun. It was about kind of like the advent of uh, the laptop computer in the 80s, which is kind of like an era that I grew up in. So it was kind of nostalgic for me. Um, it was a lot of fun working with someone like Scoot McNary for a long term was a lot of fun. I would say another great experience that I had, I actually got cut out of the movie, but the experience was amazing. It's a movie called The Boss and it stars Melissa McCarthy. And I was on there for what was supposed to be just a single line with her and in the callback, she and I improvised quite a bit, and we went on for a long time in the single scene. And when I got on set, she wanted to improvise with me. And we spent almost half a day, maybe longer, improvising this scene between the two of us, which while I was doing it was this realization. I was like, oh, this is, this is where I was meant to be. This is, this is me fulfilling what I'm supposed to be doing on this, on this planet, is like being in the moment, improvising breathing life into this character and just having this incredible experience with this very gracious actor and that was probably one of the best experiences that i've had on set even though my entire scene got cut from the movie oh do you have a copy of that scene do you everybody uh, no. asked me about that and i really wish i did i can't believe i didn't get i'm it. sure you could probably get your hands on it somehow yeah, I probably could. I think I think it was in it was in a cut. I think it was in the original cut, 
the original cut was was substantially longer than what it ended up being, and I, I think it might be in that original cut. I just have to reach out and try to try to grab it. So now you're starring CW Star Girl. How did you get uh, involved with that project? And congrats, by the way, season two got picked up. I know. How exciting is that? That's super exciting for everybody involved. It's a great show. Um, I got involved. I you know the same same way everybody else does. I got a an audition notice and. I auditioned for the show and went through the process and got cast pretty, pretty, pretty right before they started shooting. Um, but it was, you know, it's the same process that every actor goes through to book a role. I didn't really know many of the details about what I was auditioning for, quite frankly, when I originally auditioned. Um, they don't tell you a ton. I didn't even have the, they were called dummy sides, basically. It's a script that's not really in the show it's just written up as a kind of like a dummy script to see if you fit the essence of the character without giving you any storyline or details because you know a show like anything dc is going to have they're going to want to keep things really close to the chest as far as what their script and their storyline is going to be and this was this got filmed a year ago almost right or more yeah, we we wrapped in september and we started in march of last year so we shot for quite a bit and we wrapped sometime, I think it was like September 3rd. So like when you got booked for the role, you knew you were gonna play the gambler, Steve, uh, Stephen Sharp. Like, did you go back to read comics or anything when you got this? Did you know anything about the character? So when I got cast, I, I, I didn't know exactly, even when I got cast, I didn't know what I was playing. I had no idea. I knew I'd been cast. And so I got two calls the day I got cast. The first, the first call I got was um, from my agent saying, you've booked it, do you want to accept it? And I was like, absolutely. And about 30 minutes later, Jeff Johns called me. And, and then he gave me the rundown of what I was gonna be portraying. So like this all, you can imagine having Jeff Johns on the phone with me, describing what I was gonna be playing and my jaw just kind of dropped. And I was kind of like, holy smokes, this is kind of a big deal. And so as soon as I kind of, <laughs> since I came back down to earth and got my wits about me, uh, I started immediately reading up on The Gambler. And so there's not a ton of information online. There's, you know, Wikipedia has really good information. And so I, I immediately started doing my research on the character. How would you, so how would you describe him? Because like what from... You know, between me watching the show and like even I just try to do some research on the character, and it, all I can find is like he likes to gamble and he turns into a villain. Yeah, so um, you know, his backstory is he, he you know, he had a, a girlfriend, he wanted to marry her, she kind of ran off with, with someone because he he won a big take, he won a, a large sum of money, and uh, Stephen Sharp was upset about it and a windfall of money came his way by chance and so he started believing in luck um he ended up going against the green lantern um i would describe the gambler the way i approach the character is he's one part riverboat gambler yeah which is kind of like you know smooth and and confident he's one part tony soprano because he's dangerous and then he's one part colonel sanders because he's just got this southern charm about him and um and then every once in a while he gets a little fanciful and throwing a little foghorn leghorn 
but I, I think of him as kind of like a survivor and he'll do whatever it takes to get through the moment in order to get what he wants in the marathon. And so he is a villain amongst the villains. And so when you look at other villains, they all have superpowers or they're gifted. Either they have a, um, they either have super strength or they're able to use weapons effectively or they have a ring or, or they can fly or they're super strength. The gambler is just, he's just a sociopath. He's just, he's just trying to outsmart each other, everyone else. And I think that's, that's an interesting take on a, on a villain because he doesn't have the superpower to back right. him up. He's got to be smart and he's got to be ruthless because that's the only tools he has. And I find that compelling in a character that he can't, he can't, he can't fall back on something beyond himself. He has to always rely on himself. Uh, I know it's like, it must be a little bummer that you don't have to, you can't wear like a, a super suit or something like that. Well, I do have this really amazing outfit that I wore for the pilot, but because I'm not in the pilot very much, like I basically get thrown by the staff right off the bat. You don't really get a good look at it, but it is, it is really cool. Like it is this long purple coat with these really nice suit. It was a custom made suit, um, silk, um, kind of cravat that comes out of my shirt, this really beautiful purple hat. It's a really beautiful outfit. It's not like bulky and like got, you know, abs etched yeah. into it, but it's really, it makes you feel really slick. Like I describe the gambler as walking through life like syrup. He just kind of makes his way like almost like a, a snake. And the, the outfit really makes you feel slick. I can see that. I can definitely see that. How fun has it been playing a supervillain? Oh, man. Well, not even a, like a villain, not even a supervillain. It is amazing. It's so much fun. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's, it's every actor's dream just to play a, a villain and to play a supervillain within a DC show. I mean, especially a character that really hasn't been on screen before. So yeah. the gambler has only been two dimensional. You can only see him in the comics. And so I get to kind of define him in three dimensions and his voice and his posture and the way he moves throughout the world. And I think that's an incredible opportunity and a responsibility, quite frankly, to, to take this character on amongst a group of people who have, you know, kind of followed these characters for some people their entire lives. Oh yeah, definitely. So what's been like your favorite uh, scene that you were in or episode? I've loved them all. I would say my scene with Amy Smart in uh, episode two, where she's trying to make suggestions um, at work and I keep shutting her down. That was one of the, my favorite scenes to shoot because um, first of all, Amy Smart is just delightful to work with and a person, but it was just it was a fun way to establish who the gambler was right off the bat. He's this guy that just irrationally shuts down everyone's idea. And he only asks what people's thoughts are because he thinks everyone needs to hear it. He's really not concerned with it. And that's a, that's kind of a fun way to, to approach a scene. And um, I would say that was probably my favorite scene um, of the season. How much improv did like you get to put for the character? I was given a lot of latitude I think everybody was to breathe life into these characters. And um, 
I was just reading the other day that, you know, like Angelica and Luke improv a great deal of their scene in uh, the last episode the other night on episode eight. So there was a great feeling of collaboration. Um, I can't tell you exactly what I improv and what was scripted because I can't remember it. Yeah. But I know that there was a great opportunity for us to just really breathe life and to walk in these shoes and, and um, it was encouraged. Is there anything that you would like change about the character? I think not necessarily change, but if I were to see the character begin to grow, I would like to see him become a little bit more um, of an imposing fighter. Like I'd like to see him be a, a really good, like kind of like, uh, you know, like Sportsmaster and Tigress, they're incredible fighters. Yeah. I would like to see the gambler be incredibly competent as um, in defending himself because I think it's unexpected. And um, you got to think if this guy carries himself in such a confident way, you know, I, I've taken martial arts a long time. And one of the things that my instructors always tell me is like, always be, always be careful about the guy who's quiet and doesn't, doesn't flout his abilities. Cause that's the guy that knows something you don't. And I think, the gambler's kind of like that. I feel like he, he carries himself as he knows something, or at least he thinks he knows something that no one else knows. Mm. And I'd love to see the surprise be that he's this incredible, competent. That's awesome. Fighter. Have, yeah. have they, um, after it was announced that season two got picked up, have they said anything to you guys about when do you think you'll start filming? No, nothing. And I, and I think that's, you know, I think it's a question for everybody right now yeah. with, the, with the world, the way it is and the pandemic, I think everybody's trying to nav navigate what that looks like shooting in this, in this environment. So I think everyone's cautious and using, you know, they're being discerning about how to do this and do it properly. And I think at the end of the day, most of the people involved are mostly concerned about everybody's safety and health. And I'll be anxious to see how it all kind of unfolds, but they haven't contacted me specifically. So what's, uh, what's next for you? Did you have any uh, other projects that you worked on before the whole quarantine started? No, so I was pretty, I was pretty engaged with Stargirl. You know, I grew the, the, the facial hair that I wear on the show is it's real. It's mine. Yeah. And so, you know, I spent seven months with this long chin beard and the handlebar mustache. And that's a tough look to sell in other projects. Right. So, um, so I was pretty much committed to Stargirl for the duration of the, of the shoot. Um, did you shave did, that off oh, when you, you know uh, I did shoot an episode of um, uh, Cobra Kai, but I think that was after after we wrapped, and I got to shave the the facial hair. Mm -hmm. um, I actually kept it for a little bit afterwards, and then and then shaved it. How many episodes did you do with Cobra Kai? I just did one, just the one. Have you watched that show at all? Uh, I have. I think it's a fun show. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, you know, again, Karate Kid is one of my That's right. favorite movies. So. How can you not like seeing these characters come back? And I think it's a really cool take how they've crafted this story um, to kind of flip things. Yeah. I think it's really ingenious. What I, I know you can't tell us that much about it, but what episode are you in? It's in season three. I don't yeah. know what the episode number is, but it'll okay. be the, the episode that's getting released. I believe, I believe it just got moved to Netflix. It did. Yeah. yeah. 
they haven't they haven't announced any time yet. People are thinking September, December. Who knows? Well, I can't wait to see it on Netflix. That's yeah. for sure. So, do you have like a dream role that you want to play someday? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, the gambler is is pretty darn close to being a dream role, and I'd love to see the character, you know, lead to other opportunities. The gambler was 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 about as close to a dream role as you can you can hope for. Um, who knows? We might I, do a crossover with your character too. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, I think being a part of any compelling story that matters, I'm I'm all for. Um, that's kind of where I, I kind of pride myself on kind of taking things the way they come and. I think all roles can be dream roles if you look at them in the right way. Mm-hmm. What's uh, on your downtime? What do you enjoy doing? I enjoy gardening. If you can imagine, if you can believe that. Um, I really enjoy working out in the garden. I have a small garden on my patio. Um, spending time with my daughter. Uh, exercising. And I like to cook. Oh, there you go. Uh, lastly, how can the listeners find you on uh, social media? Oh yeah, the best place to find me is on Instagram, and I am at the underscore Eric underscore Goins, and it's E R I C underscore G O I N S. So the Eric Goins on Instagram uh, is probably the best place to find me. You also have a website. I do have a website. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I, I am not very good at promoting myself. Uh, it's EricGoins.com. www.ericgoins.com is my website where you can find out. Um, you know, my Instagram posts are there. You can find out what I'm working on and uh, keep up with things. And then also um, I do, I am a part of a improv troupe now. Um, we are called the Buskers. It is me and my wife and our two best friends that are also married and just so happen to be my, uh, my daughter's godparents. And uh, we do pretty much do a lot of charity events. So anyone that's looking to have an event and raise money for a cause, we go, come in and, and do an improv show. And uh, you can check us out there too. We have a Facebook page called The Buskers. All right, Eric, man. This was fun. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.